Welcome to Creeps and Crime Storytime. My name is Charlie. My name is Sophie. And we are here again with another case. What a surprise. Oh my god, we have another one. Okay, um, we have no announcements as usual. Nope. Except I just want to thank people for leaving us five star ratings Mm -hmm. on Spotify because it's really cool. Um, If you are listening and you enjoy us and you haven't yet, please would you leave one because it's really cool. Um, I just yeah. love watching that little counter go up. It's really nice. Um, I'm really into looking at all the analytics. It's fun on on the distribution thing that I use, and it's mm-hmm. just so fucking cool. I love seeing where people are from. It's really interesting. I just I just the love seeing all there's like up. yeah. So there's like a map with all like little lights on um, from where people have listened to, and just seeing all the little lights everywhere yeah. is really cool. Um, so thank <laughs> you. Um, yeah, I don't really think I have anything else except um, we're not very far now from 10,000 downloads, mm, which considering we haven't been, even been doing this for a year yet, mm. I wasn't expecting to have got 10,000 downloads inside a year. So that's yeah, that's amazing. That's really cool. I'm very excited. So <laughs> We've all done that. So yeah, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, we're going to get straight in. Yeah. Unless there's anything you want to... No, no, I'm good. Let's go. You ready to go in? Okay, story time. Let's go. So today's story is also terrible. Yeah, which I'm sure is not a shock to anyone. Not at all. Because they're always terrible. (laughs) That's not a surprise. (laughs) Um, This is the story of Natalie Holloway, and we're also going to be talking about another woman that I will get to closer to the end. Um, I won't say right now, but Mm -hmm. it is. It is going to be in the episode title. So when I upload this, it is going to be in the title. But for. For now, to start with, we're going to be talking about Natalie Holloway. Um, Natalie was born on October 21st, 1986 to a couple called Beth and Dave Holloway. The couple would have two children and Natalie would have a younger brother called Matthew. Oh, so she was the cute. big sister. Yeah, big sister's awesome. So, huh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. So the family lived in Memphis, Tennessee until Natalie was six. And this was when her parents divorced in 1993 and oh, Beth no. raised the two children by herself. Mm. So Beth remarried in 2000 to a man called George Twitty. Like, <laughs> and this guy, so his friends call him Jug. Is it J-U-G? Like a water jug. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Maybe he's got... But that's just what jugs. he's... He's just... Ri- <laughs> I don't know. It could be a a visual thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have you seen a picture of him? No. Does he look remotely jug? Jugular? Jugular. <laughs> so, anyway, so Jug has been described online as a prominent businessman in Alabama. Oh. <laughs> where the family relocated to to live with him. So they all moved down to Alabama to be with him. Will you be referring to him as Jug from now on? Yes. Okay. That's why I'm establishing that that's his right. nickname because he's referred to a lot as Jug. Cool. So that's just how people call him. And we're going to go through this with Jug. And we're going to go through this with Jug. So right. they lived in the pretty city of Mountain Brook. So Mountain Brook is a very affluent place. It's really nice. It's mm. very like, you know, like American suburbia. When you think about like a gorgeous mountain town with like these nice yeah. big detached houses and Ooh. the front lawns and all that stuff. That's what Mountain Brook is like. It's oh, really nice. Yeah. Uh, me too. It looks cool. I Google image and it's, it's very nice. Mm. So all six schools in the city have been awarded something called the Blue Ribbon, which is an award from oh. the United States Department of Education. So all the six schools there are apparently like fucking hot shit. Ooh. So yeah, they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, Natalie went to the Mountain Brook High School, and even within this community of talented students, she managed to shine brightly. That's so good. even though all the schools are really good, all the students are really good, she stood out as being like especially top. good. That's yeah. incredible. I fucking think so. So she graduated with honors in May two thousand and five, and consistently got A's across her classes. Wow! Yeah, that's the year I started high school. Two thousand and five. Yeah. 
Oh, that's when she graduated. Mm-hmm. Huh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So she even secured herself a full scholarship to the University of Alabama. Hell yeah. Which is fucking badass. So a Court that's TV cool. article from 2005 described her as a tireless worker, and she was part of a multiple of... No, she was part of multiple after-school activities. So she loved to travel. So mm. um, her family had taken her on trips to different parts of Europe and Canada. So that's oh, quite that's like... Cool. That's quite a range of places. Yeah. And she just really loved traveling and she loved exploring new places and her school interests reflected this so she was passionate about studying spanish and she also participated in a program which worked with foreign exchange students that's cool so students that came to america from different places all around the the world um she would work with them and learn about their cultures and where they were from i always wanted to do that in high school be a foreign exchange student yeah or interact with someone that had come over but they were like no you're not smart enough Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. And it was constantly like, you have potential, but nah. And I was already exerting my limits and like, I'm going to break down. And <laughs> yeah, maybe it wasn't for you. It was not. No, I always <laughs> remember. So Natalie was also a part of the school dance team. So she put a lot of hours training here. She was also a member on the student council and joined the Natural Helpers, which is a group which supported other students and peers. So she was really busy all the time. She had a lot going for her. And she wasn't one of those people who just Mm. rested and let life pass her by. She wanted to fill her time with things that made her happy. Um, I feel very lazy. Me too. (laughs) I spend too much time in detention. That's why I wasn't allowed to be a prefect. Oh, it's because you got detention too much? Yeah, because my application was great. They said, you're less spectacular, but your detention record's too high. Maybe you shouldn't have got detention so much then. It's not my fault. What do you mean it's not your fault? Well, people push me, I push them back. I'm sure if... Well, yeah, I'm not going to say no, but I'm sure if teachers gave you detention, you deserved it. I did not. I mean, it was a great time for me to do my homework in because it was quiet. I'm sorry. I'm just going to pick this here. And if you've got too much attention, that is your fault, young lady. Oh, I don't give a shit now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Freaking disrespecting. Right. So where am I up to? Um, yeah. So all of these activities that she undertook meant that she was often very busy and she didn't have a lot of time for socializing. So her family members have spoken about how she sometimes ran out of time to socialize outside of her volunteer and activity groups. Her uncle, Paul Reynolds, told Court TV that she, quote, hasn't dated a lot. She doesn't party a lot, end quote. Well, those aren't mandatory things. No, 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 no. But it meant that he also described her as being quite naive. So because she hadn't had those dating and social and, like, partying, drinking experiences that lots of young people do, it mm-hmm. meant that she was very naive about how it worked. Okay. Which is quite similar to me. I didn't do a lot of dating or partying until I was, like, an adult. Mm-hmm. So when it came to it, I had fucking no idea what I was doing. And I was really awkward and weird about it. Yeah, you were. So Mountain Brook High School had a tradition for graduates in the CD class. So mm-hmm. after graduation, the students would take a group trip to Aruba with a few adult chaperones in tow. I feel like you can tell that this is quite a wealthy community. Yeah, it sounds if very... If the graduate um, students all go on like a, like a holiday together. Yeah, there's a lot of very wealthy people here. And so, to Europe as well from America. Yeah, so somewhere. this was a tradition that started about five years before the event of our story today. So it started with the graduating class of 2000. Mm. By the time May 2005 rolled around, this tradition was still going strong, and 124 students graduating from Mountain Brook would be making the trip to Aruba, along with seven chaperones. So 124 students Just could seven. all afford. Yes, only <laughs> Sorry. seven. No, no, no. Yeah. My next sentence is, yeah. seven chaperones doesn't seem like enough <laughs> to keep an eye on 124 students. So I worked it out, and that's almost 18 students per chaperone. So uh, it's 17 no. point something. No way. So Maybe according to... Teachers, by the way. Yes. Okay. Well, I think some of them are teachers, and some of them are like 
parents, oh, I think. I couldn't okay. find if they were all teachers, but mm. some of them definitely were. Oh. So according to Jode Berman, who planned this particular trip, the chaperones weren't supposed to be keeping up with everyone on that every move. It was more like meeting up once a day or so to check in to make sure that everyone was okay. Yeah. Because these, like, graduates, they're like... 18? Yeah, they're becoming young adults Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it's not like they need to be babysat. I mean, maybe they should have been babysat. But the chaperones were more like a, I'm going to meet up with you to make sure that you're all still accounted for kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Beth dropped her only daughter at a friend's house at 4am on Thursday the 26th of May 2005 so they could make their way to the airport. She promised to meet her at the airport on Monday to pick her up. But this would be the last time that Beth saw Natalie. There would be no reunion at the arrival gate, no welcome home hug, and a tired conversation about Natalie's memories of the trip in the car. I don't like where this is going. No, me neither. I... Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I hate this too. Yeah. So the flight went smoothly, and a large group of students checked into their hotel, which was a holiday inn, towards the north of the island along Palm Beach. The yeah. area is gorgeous and is very much a stereotypical image of what you think of when you conjure up the idea of like a beach party type of destination. White sand? White sand. So yeah, the beaches are gorgeous. Do you mean like a volleyball net? Probably. A beach ball net. I don't know what a beach ball is in a volleyball (laughs) net. We're not outdoor people. (laughs) Nah. We're not sports people. We are not outdoor. (laughs) So yeah, it's very like white sandy beaches. It's very warm. There's lots of like hotels. There's lots of like clubs and places to eat. I want to go, but also maybe I shouldn't go here. I don't know. I mean, maybe not right here. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, we're going to have a chat about what happened. You're probably not going to want to go right here. No. So this is a party destination. Ooh. That's where people go to party. It's also worth noting that unlike America, the legal yeah. drinking age in Aruba is 18. Oh, this is right. obviously interesting to college students who go to Aruba on vacation, as obviously they won't be able to drink back home in the States without a fake ID. Yeah, exactly. You don't here, in Aruba, they can drink and party to their heart's content and it's perfectly legal. Aww. So this is a big thing this yeah. is a big draw a big to the american students yeah. so obviously there's fucking loads of americans there because they're like fuck yeah let's party yeah so friends that were on the trip with natalie have said how much she enjoyed herself oh. i want to be clear yeah. right now i am in no way going to victim blame or say that any of natalie's behavior caused what happened because i'm just, just gonna divert for a moment yeah i went on obviously i've been online a lot looking at stuff for this and a lot of comments and articles and forums you can tell that these comments were left by fucking boomers like no young oh. person would leave these comments lots of comments about how um natalie brought this on herself because she got drunk anyone that goes out and gets drunk you're asking for it anyone oh. like you know if if she didn't want to go missing she shouldn't have got so drunk and it's like fuck you and fuck your ancestors Mm -hmm. and it's just there's a there's there was too much of it that's so there was too much of it online and it's disgusting and it's i just feel very strongly about it people don't think and if anyone's listening who'll have to comment like that fuck you like actually fuck you yeah go fuck yourself and fuck your ancestors i just yeah hate it anyway sorry so a woman or anyone for that matter could be blackout drunk on the street and whilst i don't recommend that anyone do that because it's bad for your health anyway like it's not good for you I wouldn't recommend doing it. But if you did get blackout drunk on the street, it doesn't mean that you deserve anything bad to happen to you. It doesn't mean you're asking for something bad to happen to you. If someone takes advantage of someone else who is incapacitated, that entirely makes the perpetrator a shit stain, not the other way around. Exactly. And that's yeah. just, that's it. That's that's it. That's black and white. That's how it is. It's, it's not simple. my opinion. That's just true. Mm-hmm. That's just true. It's irrefutable. So thing. I haven't got any reports to say that Natalie was blackout drunk. 
just that her friends have said that she was certainly enjoying herself and laying her hair down a bit. She yeah. certainly deserved to have a good time, in my opinion, considering how hard she worked in school to get her scholarship. Oh, I second that. She yeah. worked her fucking tits off. Very, very if busy. any of those students had earned party time in Aruba, it was Natalie Holloway. Oh, I'm happy for her. That's I sweet. think she deserved it. And yeah. it sounds like up until the events we're going to talk about, she had a great time. And I'm yeah. really glad that she had a great time. I just wish that the last bit had gone totally differently but then so does fucking everyone so liz kane who is one of natalie's classmates said that natalie's partying got quite intense at a couple of points in comparison to what they were all used to so there were two mornings that she was a bit hungover and didn't have breakfast which might not seem like a big deal to some of us but it was a big change for natalie oh okay so i mean have i ever been so drunk i didn't want to eat breakfast the next day I don't really get hangovers because if I get a bit drunk, I tend to not get like drunk, drunk. I just get a bit tipsy. And then before I go to bed, I always drink two pint glasses of water and have some toast. I always do without fail. And I wake up in the morning feeling fucking brilliant. Yeah. That's it. That's my only advice. You look like you want to say something, but you're not. When I used to have like, I had like a mini wild phase. Yeah. Yeah, you did have a little wild phase. You did have a little wild phase. It was bad influence on myself. (laughs) Again, very, very drunk, have some more, have some food, wake up, feel like I wanted to vomit and explode and like flatten my oh, head really? so I wouldn't feel pain. But then I wouldn't eat and then I might have some more alcohol and then I'd get through the day. <laughs> oh my God, that's not terrible. Do I know that. other times where I'd get just as drunk, but then feel okay to eat in the morning. Okay. And I'd be all right. So it was really depends on the day. Uh-huh. And now I get that drunk have some more I wake up and fine but I usually wake up like four hours late and I'm like I'm ready to go for the day and I'm like no <laughs> but I'm like you wake up and you're like let's fucking and I'm so excited <laughs> yeah it's Jesus like, Christ how did this happen so okay yeah. where am I up to um yeah so Liz and another girl called Claire Fairman said that Natalie would start the day with cocktails but then so that's, was probably everyone fun, else no it's a cocktail like a mimosa in the morning? Yeah. Little, but that's orange juice. That's one of your five a day. Yeah. yeah. But that's probably what everyone was fucking doing. It's probably just yeah. not like Natalie was the only person having cocktails exactly. for breakfast. It's not Everybody like... was probably having cocktails for fucking breakfast. Yeah. So, in fact, the group was so rowdy that they got banned from the Holiday Inn for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> no more mountain brook trips to the Holiday Inn. That's, that's something on, like, the, the bucket list to get banned from a Holiday Inn. Well, they did. And they could all take all 124 of them can take that off. Kudos so the police guys. commissioner who would take charge of the investigation later said that the group engaged in quote wild partying, a lot of drinking, lots of room switching every night. <laughs> so, so in other words, these young adults who were old enough to drink, drive, and vote were getting drunk and having sex in their rooms. Yeah, I don't know, just, but that doesn't seem like a big deal to me. They were just having a fun time. These are like young adults. They're old enough to vote. They're old yeah. enough to drive. They've paid to do if that. If they're getting drunk and having sex in their rooms not like out on the street like in their rooms yeah who gives a shit just fucking let people enjoy themselves anyway that's the type of trip this was Mm -hmm. and 124 is a huge group for like on one holiday (laughs) i think that's a lot of people so it does not surprise me that the chaperones couldn't keep an eye on everyone all the time Mm -hmm. that's a lot of people and there was it sounds quite chaotic so Everyone, the thing is, everyone was present and correct until the final morning of the trip, which was Monday the 30th of May. The students would meet in the lobby of the Holiday Inn to do one last head camp before they all went to the airport for the flight home. Mm. But Natalie wasn't there. Right. 
At first, people just thought that she'd overslept again. After all, she was so hungover early in the trip that she missed breakfast on multiple occasions. She wasn't in her room, however, and her suitcase was packed and ready. Her passport was neatly on top of her luggage. Oh. So she'd packed it, like, the night before. So then, in the morning, she was all good. Mm -hmm. So, beginning to panic now, the chaperones called Natalie's mum, Beth, to let her know that her daughter hadn't shown up. The students split into two groups for the flight, and once the first group had left, it became obvious that Natalie wasn't going to make her flight home. Something had gone badly wrong. Hold on, was anyone staying behind to look for it? It So, there was two groups that got flights. So, the first group went on the plane home. Right. Is this including the chaperones? The chaperones will have been split between the two groups. Yeah, I know, but surely the adults should stay and look for it. Well, we'll get to this. So, obviously... If they've, if like 124 people have got flights booked, they can't just cancel 124 people. You know oh no, I mean? the kids like, can go home, but the adults, the, there's only seven of them. I don't know how many of the chaperones stay behind. Right, okay. So I know that the first group got on their plane and that's when people began to realise like something is fucking up. Yeah, because still not Because half up. of them have gone home. It's time to get like, on time is kicking, like ticking down until the, the second flight leaves. What mm. are we going to fucking do? Yeah. And that's how, I can imagine it just being really like a lot of panic. Yeah. So back in Alabama, Beth and Jug did not fuck around. Mm. They got some of their close friends with them and they took a private plane to Aruba. I don't know if wow. the plane belonged to the friends or if they are just rich enough to hire a private plane for the day, but that's what they did. That's really cool. So, yeah. So they were like fucking on it from, they, from they did that. the first moment. They were like fucking yeah. on it. So yeah. anyway, they landed in Aruba and went straight to the Holiday Inn. Mm. The staff who knew Natalie... No. The staff knew who Natalie's parents were talking about when they arrived, so they remembered ah, Natalie. Okay. And they told them that Natalie was seen in the company of a local man that the staff knew quite well. I say man, but Joran van der Sloot is a 17-year-old boy who's a regular in many of the casinos in the area. Why do they know him? We'll get to this. I don't, we will get to his this. His name is familiar as well. Probably. I subconscious is taking you over. Yep, yep. Well, I, Hold on, is he that idiot in the car? We'll get to that. Oh, we'll get to that. If it's that. So, Joran was born in the Netherlands in 1987. He has two brothers, and when he was three, his parents moved the family to Aruba, which is part of the Dutch kingdom. So, Dutch settlers landed there in 1634, and it became Dutch territory in 1815. Aruba gained autonomy in 1986, so it has its own internal affairs, but is still partly governed by the Netherlands. Mm. Consequently, Aruba is full of Dutch people, the van der Sloots included. Um... Joran went to the International School of Aruba where he was an honour student. He was super into sports and athletics and while at school he played for both tennis and football teams and he excelled at both. Did he do any studying? Because uh, he's I just a so, yeah. sports kid. No, no, so he, I think he was also smart Ugh. and in sports. I don't like it when people do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that should have been me. It wasn't, <laughs> And it was not. It wasn't. I was far from, I was detention kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> At this point, you would be forgiven for thinking, oh, he sounds a lot like Natalie. And yes, it does seem like they have things in common. So both of them are gifted honour students, both are athletic, and both are from financially secure, well-off families. And similar age. Yeah. So those things are in common. Mm -hmm. In her spare time, Natalie helped volunteer with student organisations and furthered her knowledge of the world. Joran's mother has told a Dutch reporter that in the evenings, he would sneak out of their family home to go and gamble in casinos. (gasps) A gambling child? Yes. What so a weirdo. his mom... <laughs> what? What's he gambling? His homework? So, no, his parents are loaded. Oh, what a dick. Um, so he was gambling his parents' money. I want to mention... Oh. Do I mention it later or not? 
Do I have to say anything? No, I think I remember. No, I think I mentioned it later. So, well, anyway. Okay. I interrupted myself for no reason. So, his mom knew that he was sneaking out, but she told the reporter she didn't realize he was going to casinos until much later. So, mm. she knew that he was sneaking out, but she thought, oh, he's just hanging out with his friends. Yeah. He's just being a maybe teenager, blah, blah, blah. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's got a girlfriend. Yeah. But he was just going to casinos. And she was like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was a casino where Yoran would cross paths with Natalie. Uh, so Natalie's friends gave Beth and Jug a description of Yoran, saying so some of the friends stayed. So okay, it was okay. like lots of the students went home, but Natalie's like closest friends and a couple of chaperones, oh, I think, stayed there. So good, they good, gave good. Beth and Jug a description of Yoran, saying that he'd been playing poker with them at the casino in the Holiday Inn on the evening of the 29th. Oh, I don't like that. So poker the casino is to watch people. Yeah, and if he's good at gambling, that mm-hmm. means that he's good at lying. Exactly. And we will the see deception. where the lying goes. Mm. Um I don't think I'd be very good at poker because I'm terrible at lying. And you interrupt people. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. But I just mean like <laughs> I don't like, think I could <laughs> I don't think I could hide anything like in my face. I don't think I'd be very good at it. Sophie's just Neither laughing would at I, me. To be yeah, fair. no. So the casino inside the hotel is called the Excelsior Casino, and apparently it's a dump. Oh. <laughs> it only has one review on Google and it's one star. Oh. Oh. I had a look on TripAdvisor. It only has three out of five, which for TripAdvisor is not oh, great. No. And it has 72 one-star reviews. I read some of them and many of them complain about the smell. Oh, what? What does it smell of? Like sweat? Or apparently death? just bad. Ooh. So apparently you if you're in Aruba, the Hilton next door has a better casino. And that's so sucks. just so you know. <laughs> uh, apparently the group that moved, apparently that group yeah. then moved to play blackjack where there were some CCTV images of them together. So the CCTV images of Natalie and her friends and Yoran playing blackjack together. So Natalie's friend apparently wasn't very good at blackjack. Yoran gave her some pointers. After all, he gambled a lot and she ended up $100 up. Oh, so nice. they were like, oh, this so guy's cool. Worked. Yeah, he yeah. so the group left the table at 9.45. Yoran saying he had to leave for the night, but the girls were like, oh, you should meet up with us later. You should come back and hang out with us later. No, we shouldn't. Yeah. So at 10 o'clock, the group of girls left to try and catch a bus to somewhere that I'm probably going to fuck this up. So it looks like it says Oranjestad. Probably does. Oranjestad. Fuck, I can't. Oranjestad. Is that, how would you say that? I'd go with Oranjenstad. Yeah, so yeah. kind of the same. So mm-hmm. that's where they were going to get the bus, but they still had drinks with them and the driver wouldn't let them on. So instead they got a taxi. Ooh. So... Well, mean bus driver. But what about the girls who were there that night? What did they think? So Lorraine Watson described Yoran as, quote, he just looks like an average normal high school guy. I wasn't really suspicious. I mean, he's going to come with us later, end quote. Fair. Photos of Yoran from the time show that he does indeed look average painfully disappointingly average so in my opinion absolutely nothing about his appearance would stand him out in a crowd no yeah. although having said that the holiday inn staff could pick him out very easily because he had a reputation at the hotel for frequently coming to pick up and prey on american girls that's so creepy disgusting why did they ban him huh why didn't they ban him because he wasn't doing anything wrong they make the rules though not him yeah i guess so but if he was coming in to gamble 
he was probably making the money and like bringing friends with him and stuff i don't know so the group of college girls hung out in the city center there's a popular bar there called carlos and charlie's which was full of students from the martin brook trip so yoran did indeed make good on his promise to the group and he arrived there as well great he didn't come alone he brought two friends with him a pair of brothers called deepak and satish kalpo Oh, these two? Yeah, no. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's really kicking in now. So, friends of Natalie saw her drinking and dancing with them, and I've seen varying accounts of how drunk she was. Mm-hmm. So, some said that she was extremely intoxicated, and others said that she was only a bit tipsy. Considering her inexperience with drinking and her small frame, I would lead to believing reports that she was fairly drunk. Yeah, definitely. So... Once 1am rolled around and everyone started going back to hotels, etc., Natalie was seen by her friends getting into Yoran's grey Honda with him and the brothers. That's so sketchy. She's never been seen again. Mm, I don't like that. No. No. No, I should Even if it's one guy, but when it's multiple guys in one When it's like three guys. very, uh, like, almost violent to just hearing it. three guys who have never met this woman before and Mm -hmm. she's drunk. Even I if hate she was it. sober, but drunkness on top of I that. I hate it so much. Horrid. I just can't stand it. It makes that. me feel a bit queasy. Yeah, don't like no him. So, can. like we said, everyone local knows who Yoran is because of his tendency to loiter at casinos, flirting with drunk tourists. Mm. Beth and Jug, after seeing CCTV of Natalie and Yoran at the blackjack table together, went to go and find Yoran for themselves because everyone knew where he lived. They yeah. know who he is. Good. So Good. they were accompanied by members of the Aruban police to the Van der Sloot home, where Yoran's father, Paulus, answered the door. He informed the group that his son was gambling in yet another nearby hotel, which was a window. So off they went, but Yoran wasn't there. Mm. So they called Paulus, who told the group that Yoran was actually back at home now. Interestingly, during this whole exchange, Yoran's grey Honda Civic was outside his home the whole time. <laughs> oh, so like he just whooshed through the air back home. Apparently, yeah. Wow. So, so cool yeah. Um, it's it's definitely nothing to do with his dad buying his son time so they could come up with a story together. Oh, no, not at all. It's definitely nothing to do with that. That would would never happen. No way. So, by the time the group returned to the Van der Sloot residence, the Kalpo brothers and Joran were all waiting outside on the driveway for them. That's creepy. And all three of them had a story. Yeah, innocent people don't do that. No, that would be weird. (laughs) We're going to wait for you. Yeah, we're just going to stand here on the driveway and look at you. Yeah. It's creepy. So, by the time the group returned... No, I just read that. So, they said that Natalie was drunk, and she told them that on her last night in Aruba, she wanted to see sharks. Maybe she said that. I don't know. You could say that, but... Like, maybe she said it. it, But the thing is, also, like, Mm. yes, so sharks are obviously predatory animals that tend to hunt at dusk and dawn. Mm-hmm. So that's when they tend to be active. Yeah. But you are not going to see sharks at night time, at yeah. like one in the morning. You're not going to be looking into dark water. You're not going to see a fucking shark in there. You're not. It kind of especially like, like a from, really poor excuse. Especially from land. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to happen. But, yeah. but, according to them, they yeah. drove up to a lighthouse near the Arashi beach to see if they could spot any. Shockingly, they didn't see any sharks. You know what? I'm going to take everything they say at face value. Oh? Yeah, because that's what they want me to do. Okay, so they drove up to a lighthouse to see if they could see sharks. They didn't see any, but they said that the brothers sat in the front of the car while Euron and Natalie made out in the back. Yeah, that's so convincing. So, I mean, I don't know, but there's something really creepy about that. It's like about two strangers that are related to each other sitting in the front of a car while their mate is making out with a stranger in the back. And just sit, like, what are they doing? Are they watching in the mirror? Are they just, like, it's 
What? There's something really creepy and weird about that. It's creepy, like, like waiting for something. I hate that so much. It's icky. So they said that they dropped her off at the Holiday Inn again around 2am and that Natalie almost fell over and a security guard helped her up. Oh, so they know us that. They did. So, all of them, like, her parents and these guys all went to the Holiday Inn so that Euron could point out the security guard. But yeah. what a shock. No one can find him. Don't know about you, but this massively reminds me of Casey Anthony walking around Universal Studios looking for her <laughs> office. Yeah, she's except like... Except this time... Eventually she's like, yeah, I don't work here. Yeah, except this time it was the Aruban police looking for a security guard who didn't exist. But I feel like it's the same kind of vibe. It does. And the way that she yeah. has constantly lied about everything, but like with no... It just makes it worse. With no shame. She's just yeah. constantly... You see the same thing in this guy. Oh, yeah. You see the same fucking, fucking thing. So a search was carried out immediately. Nobody wasted any time. Hundreds of volunteers, both locally and from America, joined the hunt for the teenager. And the Aruban government actually let 4,000 civil servants off work to help search for Natalie. Wow. They were like, take the day off. Have a look for this girl. So Aruba's industry was built around tourism and it was very important that they find Natalie and tourists would continue to feel safe. Yeah, I suppose if an American girl goes missing... It doesn't look good. No. It doesn't look good for them. Really bad reputation. So the search was so intense that F-16 fighter planes were flown in from the Netherlands in the search to see if pilots could see anything from the air. And they used, like, infrared. I think it was infrared technology to see if there was any, like, ground disturbances. And, like, they took satellite photos so they could see if there's, like, differences in the terrain and shit for, like, graves and stuff. So they were really, like, going for it. Um so there was teams from Texas that came in, and even some Dutch Marines were part of the search party, but there was no sign of Natalie anywhere. Wow. And nobody was able to find a thing, and nobody ever has. Mm. Like, literally nothing. So in a strange coincidence, Beth Twitty ended up staying in the same room that Natalie stayed in during her trip. I can't find a source that says this was unintentionally, but most articles with this information have it sounding like it was just happenstance. Yeah. So either way, she stayed in the Holiday Inn room for a while, and then she was moved to a suite at the window. The police remember your aunt's tip about Natalie being seen with a security guard or someone dressed like one who helped her up and into the hotel. Mm. The police arrested two ex-security guards on June the 5th. So that's Nick John and Abraham Jones, who were in the area and thought might be related to your aunt's sighting. Mm. So these two men had a local reputation, looks like your aunt, for cruising around the area trying to engage with drunk female tourists. And mm. an article from CBS says that one of the men had prior incidents with law enforcement. Oh, so they were sketchy too. So the police mm. were like, let's just scoop you up for a bit. Yeah. So these two men got released only eight days later on the 13th of June, and there was no evidence tying them to Natalie at all. No, okay. Like, no evidence whatsoever. Yeah, so they're clear. They might be a little bit dodgy, but they didn't do this. They're other dodgy people. They're other dodgy. So, however, the police were not fully on board with Joran and the Kalpo brothers' stories. Good. As a matter of fact, just one day after the security guards were arrested, the three of them were arrested too. Uh, oh. So, on June the 9th, <laughs> the Aruban police hauled Joran, Deepak, and Satish into jail. So, the chief of police is called Dom Pig, um, and he also <laughs> suggested that they'd been watching them closely since the investigation began using methods like tapping their phones, monitoring their emails, and good old-fashioned surveillance. They should have been watching them earlier if they're so creepy. Well, police can't just watch people because they're vaguely creepy. Yes, they can. I wish they could, but they can't. So, the police searched the Vandersloot house. So, Joran lived there with his parents, but in an apartment that was detached from the main house. So, basically, his mum and dad had a huge fuck-off house, and when he was old enough, he got his own little guest house on the property. The basement is out there yeah so it's like an outside basement Mm -hmm. so during the police search two white trash bags were carried out filled with items and two cars were removed interestingly Mm. neither of these cars were the grey honda civic so where's his honda 
I'm not sure. What? I don't think they took it because they took two other cars that I think were the mum and dad. Yeah. But they didn't take that one. Why not? Don't know. What? That's confusing. So while three men, while the three men were in jail, their story started to change. Now, you know it's never good when a story starts changing because why? If it's true, it doesn't change. Yeah, it doesn't have to. If you're telling a true story, it's never going to change because that's just what happened. Yes, yeah, you know what I mean. The way it is. So, yeah. it it literally has never happened. Don't change your fucking story because it makes you look more guilty. Just yeah. don't do it. Yeah. So remember Nick John? He's one of the security guards who was arrested. Mm-hmm. So while he was in jail, he got chatting with Deepak Kalpo. So Deepak told him that actually what they told the police the first time about dropping Natalie at the hotel was a lie. Why lie? According to Nick. Deepak told him that they actually took her to a beach near the Marriott Hotel and that Yoran and Natalie got out of the car together and himself and his brother Satish drove away, leaving them there. It's so weird that you'd lie about making out with someone you don't know. And no, he like... didn't. Deepak didn't say he made out with Natalie. No, the, the, the other guy did. I don't think that part was necessarily a lie. It's, the whole thing is just weird. Yeah, so Nick passed this information to the police and they questioned the Kalpo brothers again. Mm. So under questioning, both of them now changed their story to this new version. Great. Both of them will tell the same thing, just insisting that they took Natalie to the beach and Joran was left there with her. It's frustrating when this kind of thing happens because genuine leads get lost completely. I mean, I... Like the smallest of things can... I think that this version go. is closer to what happened. Mm, we'll, we'll, get, we'll explore it further, but yeah. I think that the first version was definitely a lie and this version is probably a little closer mm-hmm. in my opinion so they obviously wanted to talk to Yoran about this because this changed things completely mm. so Yoran said that actually now he thinks about it he did get dropped off at the beach with Natalie it's funny how sometimes you remember things like that like he's like actually yeah we did drop her at the hotel they dropped her at the beach with me there was no lighthouse there was no lighthouse but Yoran said that he definitely left her there and walked home himself he has no idea what happened after that Mm. so I promise officer I definitely have no idea and I only just remembered this now when you asked me that's so fucking stupid yep so (laughs) on the 17th of June a DJ who worked on a party boat was arrested Oh, so, <laughs> Steve Gregory Crows was taken into custody, but he was released several days later without any charges. What take them I just want you to remember that he works on a party boat. Yeah, He's got a boat, DJ. so there's a boat. boat. Um, very interestingly, Joran's dad, Paulus, was arrested on the 17th of June. No, the 22nd. He was arrested on the 22nd. Yeah. I think it's pertinent to inform you that Paulus van der Sloot is a very prominent judicial official. so this is harking back to the Phoebe Hanstruck case we've got a spoiled young fuck up who looks guilty as shit for killing a girl and his important dad in the court system is suspected by a lot of people who have something to do with covering it up this time though Paulus was actually arrested although he was released several days later with no evidence to charge him with a crime so just want you to remember that keep it in the little noggin so on the 4th of July the Carpo brothers were released from jail but Yoram was kept in there for another 60 days right I know this is a lot of chopping and changing and arresting. Are you keeping track of this? Yeah. Okay. So towards the end of July, searches of specific areas were undertaken. So there was a gardener who worked close by the area where Yoran and the brothers have put themselves. And he said that he saw Yoran trying to hide his face as he drove into the racket club at the Marriott Hotel, which is where the beach is that they all said that Natalie got taken to. And this is between 2.30 and 3 a.m. That's suspicious. Do you follow me? I do. Yeah. So a pond in the area was partially drained, but nothing was found. 
A landfill was also searched after a witness said they saw men burying a blonde woman, which is horrific. What? That's specific. Yeah, that's fucking specific. Nothing was found. Like, nothing was found. Um, and the sighting itself couldn't be substantiated. Mm. Then, a jogger came forward and said that he saw three suspects digging near the same place the gardener identified, but this also turned out to be a dead end. It's worth noting that the jogger was a convicted sex offender and his story did not shape up to have any substance to it, and this whole thing just seemed to be dead end after dead end after dead end. Like, everything that the police got told they looked into, there was just fucking nothing. Yeah. So... In an interview with Vanity Fair, Beth told the journalist how she actually went to the Van der Sloot home during this phase of the investigation. So she went to Joran's parents' house herself. Wow. By herself. That's and she cool. said at first, so she went, they invited her in, and the three of them spoke. And Joran's parents at first would talk about what a great son he was and all his achievements. And they were really like, oh, we love our boy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, then the conversation turned slightly. His mother, Anita, told Beth that her son had been seeing a psychiatrist. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. No, But not this at all. wasn't one of the mill self help things. Anita told Beth that they'd been having trouble with him, and Paulus revealed that they couldn't control him. He kept sneaking out at night and lying to them. Not great. So, Euron's father insisted that he could remember nothing of the night Natalie went missing, and he was sweating so much by the end of the conversation that Anita had to get him a piece of kitchen towel. Wow. Yeah. That's, so he's like, yeah, I can't remember anything about that night while he's like face. sweating profusely. It's like, <laughs> it's like, wow, that sounds like a huge lie. That's not so, good. No, it's not. So Yoran got released from jail and there weren't any new developments in the case for quite a while after this. Yoran decided to do kind of like a media tour. Yeah, I remember this. You hate him, don't you? Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. So he was doing interviews for various news programs because the case had got so much attention. In March 2006, he did an interview with Fox News where he told some kind of version of his most recent story. So he told Fox News that the brothers dropped him and Natalie off at the beach and that she wanted to have sex with him. They didn't have any protection, so he turned her down, said that it was getting late, and that he had school in the morning. This sounds just like the Euron that we know, not wanting to have. <laughs> so he was like, "Yeah, I don't want to have unprotected sex, I'm and I need to be boy. up early for school." Bye. Definitely no. not the kind of guy that has a reputation for sneaking out of bed and picking up drunk girls at fucking seventeen years old. He's only seventeen. This is insane. It's also disgusting that he's like saying to the police, "This had nothing to do with me," but then he's concerned himself in the media. All oh, the he's on fucking loving. About he's himself. loving this. He's, he's loving like, the so attention. Innocent. I have nothing to do with this crime and missing person. When but I'm, everyone listen to me. me everyone it. look at me. Uh. So he said that after he turned Natalie down for sex, he called or texted Satish to come and pick him up at the beach, which was about three a.m., mm. and that he left Natalie there. He said that he never told this version of the story before because he was ashamed and embarrassed to have left her on the beach by herself. And he was convinced that she would turn up and come home. Interestingly, mm-hmm. Satish's lawyer insisted that his client went to sleep and definitely did not pick up your arm from the beach at three in the morning. Oh, okay. In 2007, his media whirlwind ego trip ended in him releasing a book about the case he wrote together with a Dutch journalist. He wrote a fucking book. Well, I mean, he probably didn't do much writing, but yeah. Oh yeah, can he write? I mean, I think so. He was an honor student. I know, but I But yeah. So the three brothers got... Uh, the three brothers. The Ooh. two brothers <laughs> and him. Yeah. Got arrested and released again in 2007. So Aruban authorities seemed sure that they had something to do with what happened. Mm. But they just kept coming up short when it came to finding actual evidence. Yeah, they need to arrest him when they've got something 
concrete. But there isn't anything. That's what's so annoying. So in 2008, something very exciting happened for the case. So a Dutch crime reporter, Peter de Vries, worked with an ex-convict called Patrick van der Eem to get a videotaped confession out of Joran. So okay. those two were like, we're going to come together, make a collaboration, and then yeah. this is going to... on this crime. Yeah, we're going to do this. So yeah. Joran was with Patrick in his car. So Patrick's the ex-con. And yeah. the two of them were smoking weed together. Joran yes. started telling... <laughs> weed it up. You Jesus know, Christ. So Joran started telling Patrick what happened the night Natalie died. So this is just the two of them. There's no, like, yeah. th- there's cameras, but he doesn't know it. Secret cameras. Yeah. So this is just him and a mate chatting. Yeah. Right? So he said the two of them were on the beach making out when she began to convulse. Then she became unresponsive and died. Joran said that he called a friend who told Joran to go home and the friend disposed of Natalie's body. This friend has yeah. never been officially revealed, but lots of people who have looked into the case, lots of people online, lots of conversations that are happening, mm. lots of people suspect that this person is Joran's father, Paul As van der Sloot. He came to mind when you yeah, said that. Yeah, lots of people think yeah. so, because it's like he's got the mate with the boat. Yeah. Lots and of, when you're yeah. in trouble, you do want to call your dad. You want to, especially if your dad's yeah. really important and, and powerful. used to taking his money. Yeah, you're used to your parents bailing you out of things. The Every first time. thing you do is go yeah. to the people that bail you out, like, help, I fucked up again, I need help. Yeah. And then, especially as well, it's a very dad thing to do, like, go home, I'll take care of this. Exactly. You fucked up, go home. Mm-hmm. That seems like a, anyway. I'm not saying that because I don't have anything to base that on. But that's oh, just no. what some people think. Yeah, so Anyway, so us. once the footage came out, Joran denied this really hard. Obviously, he, he said that he was just lying to make himself look cool in front of his ex-convict buddy. And that he was so high on weed, he didn't really know what he was saying anyway. Yeah, sure, that sounds real. So lots of people in the true crime community think that this is the closest version to the truth we've ever heard from him. Definitely. So I think, personally, that he could have slipped a drug in Natalie's drink. He did Mm -hmm. have a reputation for preying on intoxicated women. I think that maybe she was drugged. She could have had a bad reaction to the drug and died on the beach. Yeah. And he panicked and got his dad to help cover it up. There is a... I had a look. So there is a shelf out out to sea near Aruba's coastline. There's yeah. like an oceanic shelf and anything Ooh. that's put in the water beyond that point gets like washed out towards Panama. It would not be fucking wow. found again. So if Natalie died on the beach from yeah. th- like if she got her drink spiked, he's like, dad help, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. Paul's fucks off out there with his party boat mate. Yeah. They put her out to sea. She's never found again. There's no evidence. There's no trace of her because yeah. there's literally everything's in the sea. Mm-hmm. And she would never be found again. The sea is so vast. That's and so then, scary. Yeah. And that's it. There was, like, there, there wouldn't be anything to find. There wouldn't. She's no. there. Yeah. And it's not just that, but if it's that kind of death as well, it's not going to be where there's a lot of evidence yeah, left behind. Yeah, stay on there. Yeah. Um, and especially as well, really. the police didn't take any clothes. They didn't take any... They didn't take anything like that. I mean, they did take some bags of evidence from the house, so maybe they did take clothes and test them, but there's never been any information released about DNA testing on clothes or anything like that. They don't even... I mean, maybe they know what he was wearing from the CCTV footage. I would think so. But there's never been any... Nothing's ever come out like that. They should have done that. There's a lot of things they should have done. I see. (sighs) Anyway, so... The ex-con that Joran spilled the beans to is also a bit of a shit stain, which I'm sure doesn't surprise you. So he gave an interview to a TV station in Aruba after this came out. Mm -hmm. And so they were interviewing him and he was just talking. And then he thought the cameras had stopped rolling, but they hadn't. 
So when he thought no one was listening, he said some pretty interesting things. So he revealed that contrary to what he told the, the crime reporter that he collabed with, he actually knew Yoran for years. Oh, wow. The crime reporter thought that he established a relationship with Yoran just for this. Oh, but, but actually, they were mates. Yeah. So I think, though, that that makes it more likely that Yoran would have been honest with him if they've been buddies yeah, for a long time. He would, he would trust him already. Mm-hmm. And you, you tell your friends things when you've known them for years that you wouldn't tell someone you've just met. Yeah, and when you're high. Exactly. Um, he also said that he was not only hoping to, but fully anticipated that his involvement with this case would make him rich. He was like, if I get involved with this case and then do a load of interviews, I'll be a millionaire. That's why he was doing it. <laughs> that's know. why he was that's, doing it. That's an ambitious goal right there. Yeah. So later in 2008, he was arrested back in the Netherlands for hitting his girlfriend with a crowbar and oh. driving dangerously while evading police capture. What the fuck? So he was a fucking asshole too. Awful. So all of these people are dicks. They are. So in trash. November of that year, Joran wasn't getting quite enough attention anymore. So he oh, decided no. to redirect it back on himself. Great. He Just literally was like, I'm going to make myself He's like, I'm more. the baby. Me. Basically, yeah. So he had another interview with Fox News during which he said, that he actually sold Natalie in some sort of human trafficking transaction. Oh, make your mind up. So he said that she ended up in Venezuela and that two police officers who found out about it were paid off by his dad. How would he know that? If you just sell them to traffickers, they... Yeah, they just get spirited off and you don't know where they've gone. you don't know shit. Later on, he said he made it all up and it wasn't true. I'm not shocked. I fucking hate him so much. He then sent Fox News an audio recording of a phone call between himself and his dad, Paulus, and part of the call was his dad telling him, you know, human trafficking is really serious. I think he made that up. The thing is, a Dutch newspaper reported that Paulus's voice doesn't sound like mm. that at all, and that actually it sounds like Joran putting on a really low-pitched <laughs> voice. So basically a hoax to wow. bring attention to himself. So he was That's like so doing pathetic. a voice recording of like him talking, yeah. and then like... Oh, I'm my dad. I'm this your is papa. This. Human yeah. trafficking is bad. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Go fuck yourself. Yoran. So, remember the crime reporter Peter DeVries? Mm-hmm. In November 2008, he had some more secret footage of Joran van der Sloot. Except this time, he wasn't just talking about what happened to Natalie Holloway. So, this crime reporter obviously kept an eye on Joran van der Sloot and thought maybe he was like, this is a really good story. I'm going to stick watching him because this is good for my Time career. Will tell. Yeah, mm. maybe it was like, this guy's definitely fucking dodgy. I, I want to yeah. reveal how dodgy. Mm. I don't know. But he kept an eye on him. So the footage appears to take place in a hotel room in Bangkok. As after he got all the attention as he could out of Natalie Holloway, he decided to go to Thailand instead. He didn't use his real name, as he might find it harder to ensnare women if he was a famous predator. So he went by Murphy Jenkins instead. <laughs> Smith Smith. <laughs> how do you know he used that name? So, Murphy Jenkins is apparently a production consultant for a modeling agency. <laughs> That's who Murphy Why, it's Jenkins. always modeling agencies. So, I'm sure you could guess what happened next. So, Yoran did his favourite thing, which is lying through his fucking teeth, and yes. convinced young Thai girls that they could travel to Europe to have modeling careers. They can do that without him. So, in the footage, he was <clears throat> bragging about how he could get passports sorted for the girls, and that he was paid around $13,000 per girl that he arranged. That's not... Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> That's the understatement. Why is, he, why is he making things so complicated? So it's reported in the National Enquirer that many of these girls were never heard from again. So <laughs> he actually brought two Thai women into the hotel meeting with him. 
And this was real that they genuinely were there with him. Yeah. And they yeah. didn't ever leave? Or... I don't know what happened to these particular women. It doesn't say. But he brought them in the meeting and then they left the meeting with him. So it was basically just to say, look, I've got Thai women. Here's two. Yeah. And then they're just not ever seen again. I don't know. But basically, <laughs> so so the reporter pretended, I think, that he was, like, interested in buying Thai oh, women. He set up a hotel room with cameras to videotape Oh, so him. he went, like, undercover. Yeah. So right. what happened then is he got Yoran aka murphy jenkins to come to this hotel room and say yes i traffic thai women Mm. i get paid thirteen thousand dollars for each woman i traffic wow so he got him to say that like he got them to say like yeah these people think that they're being models but they're just going to europe so that's shit in an email conversation before the undercover taping, Yoran bragged about how he would trick women into thinking they were getting three-month work visas, but they would actually be forced to undertake sex work in clubs once they reached the Netherlands. That's horrible. It's fucking appalling and disgusting. And the fact that this happens all the time... Is atrocious. It's just the worst thing. And it's... I kind of feel weirdly guilty because I'm sat nice and safe in my house mm-hmm. and there's other women that are going through hell every day. And it's like, mm-hmm. what can you do? Mm-hmm. Like, what could we do? Apart from draw attention to it and talk about it and make mm-hmm. it known and obvious that this isn't okay and it's real and it's happening and to look out for signs of women being abused. What else could you do? It's fucked up. It, oh. <sighs> so, I've seen lots of media that the Thailand officials wanted copies of the footage so that they could go after Yoran, but I haven't been able to find out if he was specifically punished for this. Mm. So we sure. haven't got to the end of what happens with him, though, so be patient with me. Okay. We're going to go somewhere. This does prove, though, without a doubt, as if we didn't know already, that he has no respect for women whatsoever and just sees them as a means to get what he wants. Yes. When he was 17, he would stalk clubs looking for drunk girls to prey on, and as a 21-year-old, he is selling women into the sex trade. He's a vile, disgusting little man, and his true motives are so obvious. This is shit. So in 2009, he was in Macau in China at the Asia-Pacific Poker Tour, He had Mm -hmm. a YouTube channel and described himself as a, quote, professional poker player, end quote, (laughs) which to me just sums up what kind of a douche he is. It reminds me of Andrew Tate. Yeah, so if you describe (laughs) yourself as a professional poker player, it's like, you just, just, Uh, please don't come back. Yeah, just stay there. (laughs) So on the 10th of February, 2010, Paulus van der Sloot died. That's his dad, isn't it? Yes. So he had an unexpected heart attack and Mm -hmm. anything he might have potentially known about Natalie Holloway was lost forever. This would be a big year for Joran van der Sloot. So after his dad died, he decided to be even more of a shitbird than he was before. His mother did an interview with NBC News like later in the year where she revealed that at this point after his father's death, his terrible behavior got even worse and she didn't know what to do with him anymore. I don't have any good constructive suggestions. Yeah. No, me no, neither. No. Just like a part, like... Lock him in his house. I was about to say, <laughs> is 21 years old too late to abort him? Like, No. Delete. <laughs> so he believed that his behaviour had caused his father's heart attack and he blamed himself. I mean, good. Yeah. You probably did cause it. You're a piece of shit. So Anita wanted her son to get psychiatric help, but he refused to do it. I mean, that says a lot. It says a lot when men refuse therapy. Blame himself and then refuse. Yeah, like... You're being your own problem. So she said, quote, Euron is sick in his head, but he wanted no help, end quote. Mm-hmm. He made a choice to not. So have once his dad passed away, he left his mum a note reading, I'm gone, do not worry. And then he fled to Peru. I'm, I'm worried for other people around him, not for him. Yeah, see. So <laughs> in March, which is just a few weeks later, so this is just weeks after. Yeah. 
he got in touch with Beth Holloway's lawyers, John Kelly. Sorry, lawyer, not plural. <laughs> I don't know why I said. So Beth Holloway has a lawyer called John Kelly. Okay. And he got in touch with him. So he said that he would be willing to divulge what happened to Natalie and then tell them where to find her remains if he was paid a quarter of a million dollars. He can go fuck himself. So he negotiated that he would take an advance payment of 10%, so $25,000, and then the rest of it when the deal was completed. He's so fixated on getting money out of this missing person's case. It's yes, ridiculous. He's pathetic. Yeah, he's turning this into his career. Like, get a job, like a real job. <laughs> Just get a job. He yeah. has had jobs. He's been a human trafficker. He's a professional poker player. And a modeling agency guy. Yeah, so so Joran oh. was back in Aruba again, and John Kelly agreed to meet him in secret to discuss the deal. He didn't believe that Joran was telling the truth. No. But as this seemed an awful lot like extortion, which is a crime, he yeah. wanted to get as much evidence as possible and try and set up a sting operation. Sounds good. So he was like, this sounds like extortion. This is something I can have you locked up for. Yeah. So he was like, I'm going to pretend to be into it. So in an interview with Today, Kelly told how he met Yoran by himself and Yoran was pissed that he didn't bring any money with him. Oh. So to try and butter him up to get him talking again, mm. Kelly brought a whopping $100. Ooh. And this placated Yoran enough to get him talking again. Well, yeah, it's better than zero dollars, isn't it? But that's how desperate he was for yeah. money. Yeah, is that for one hundred dollars, I will get myself in trouble. I will incriminate myself for a hundred dollars. Can you do it again? Before that's free? like seventy-five quid. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on. So the FBI knew all about this, and they Ooh. were keeping an eye on the whole thing. Yes. So of the operation, mm-hmm. Kelly said, "Quote: It was a win-win situation." He was either going to pay the money, and if the information turned out to be true, Beth would get closure and she'd bring Natalie home. Mm-hmm. Assuming it was false, it would be extortion and wire fraud once falsehoods were proven. Either way, he'd be boxed in. End quote. This is good. A third meeting was set up for the 10th of May in Aruba. Kelly was wearing recording devices and the FBI was listening, and he received training for how to handle the transaction and the, and the negotiation. So he was given $10,000 to give to Yoran to establish the crime of extortion, and he sent $15,000 of Beth's personal money to Yoran's bank account in the Netherlands to establish wire fraud. Right, gotcha. So for yeah. the crimes to happen, the transaction has to take place, and Yoran has to be like, yes, I want these transactions, please give me this money. I fully consent to that illegal yeah. activity. Yeah, yeah. So it went as far as Yoran and Kelly signing a physical contract, Ooh. and Yoran took Kelly to a location where he claimed Natalie was buried. So he showed him a house and told him a story about how his dad helped him bury Natalie in the foundations of the house. The only thing is, this house wasn't even built yet when Natalie went missing. So oh. there were no foundations for her to be buried in. The whole no. thing was yet another lie by Yoran to fuck around and try and get some money. He's just wasting people's time as well. Which he's obviously His whole be existence okay is wasting people's time. So a week after the meeting, when he was called out about this, he was back in Peru and he sent James Kelly an email explaining the whole thing was a lie for $25,000. I roll. You might think that here he would be immediately arrested by the FBI for wire fraud and extortion. However, they told Beth that they wanted to make sure the case against him was airtight so that they could really fuck him up. Mm. They didn't want any chance of getting off. No. And I get that. You want to make sure that you have enough of a case to make sure you get the conviction the first time around because there aren't any second chances. Yeah. The thing is, he's got $25,000 and he's left so he has money for another trip. Yeah, to his own devices. Yeah, and it's ever. like this would prove to be terrible. Yeah, this is no, no. So 20 days Amazing. after the meeting with the money exchange, Yoran was back in Peru again. And the 30th of May 2010 would be exactly five years to the day that Natalie went missing. Wow. So, for the fifth anniversary of Ma- Natalie's murder, I mean, 
disappearance, her killer, I mean, the last person to see her alive, Mm -hmm. ended up at another casino. So he was at Atlantic City Casino in Lima, Peru, where he met a woman called Stephanie Ramirez. No. The two were chatting, playing cards at the same table, and CCTV captured images of their meeting. This is eerily similar to Natalie's final night. And this is on the fifth anniversary. And, and it's not fucking supervised. weird. And it's fucked up. No, he's not. Why? So This is horrible. I don't like this. I don't trust So it. Stephanie was a Basically. student attending the University of Lima. She was doing a, dis- a degree in business. Mm-hmm. She was doing well at the casino. She'd won over $10,000 from there so far. Wow! So she was doing well. That's amazing. So she'd never met Euron before that night, but they got along and she went back to his hotel room together at 5 a.m. According to a later statement from Euron, while they were in the room together, Stephanie at some point went onto his laptop without permission and found information about what he did in Natalie's case. She got upset and she argued with him and wanted to leave. He said, quote, mm. I did not want to do it. The girl intruded in my private life. She had no right. I confronted her. She, she was frightened. We argued and she wanted to get away. I grabbed her by the neck and hit her. End quote. However, I have one thing. What's that? He's like, oh, this is about my private life that he chose to make public. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. He's been talking to the media and shit for the last five years. How dare he? And now he's like, oh, no, you looked at the stuff that I put into the world. The one person that didn't see all my interviews. (laughs) (laughs) Asshole. So, the thing is, a police analysis of the laptop showed that this didn't happen. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, yeah, so this was yet another one of his lies. Mm-hmm. We don't know the motivation for his murder of Stephanie, but she was beaten, strangled, and he used his own shirt to suffocate her. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. That's horrible. Sorry. So later in the morning, around 8am, Joran went to get coffee and pastries and brought them back to the room, and he ate his breakfast next to her dead body. Ugh. Yeah. That, I hate... Does he get arrested? We will Put get him. there. We will get there. So... <laughs> So, we will get there. So, on his way out of the room, he took her jewellery, money, credit cards, and car. The $10,000 winnings were not recovered. He dumped the car a couple of miles away, leaving some date rape drugs inside. Ew. Yeah. Okay. So, I wonder what happened. It was an accident. Yeah, I, it was, it's a fucking mystery. There was I a wonder lighthouse what happened. and then I can't remember. Ooh. So Stephanie's family reported her missing when they didn't hear from her and the hotel CCTV showed her with Yoran. They got his name from mm. the room reservation because obviously he would have needed yeah. to put his name down and her sister-in-law, as in her brother's wife, looked him up online and found out all the information about oh, Natalie no. Holloway. Yeah. So they were immediately like, shit. You feel so sick. To they were like, fuck. I so obviously... Even. They were very concerned and the hotel staff went to his room where they found her body. So he was in Chile when he was arrested and he'd taken the SIM card out of his phone to avoid his location being tracked. He told the police... Oh yeah, like 10 Mm. out of 10 innocent. So he told the police a bullshit story about armed robbers breaking into the room and killing Stephanie. That's like Jodie Aries. Ninjas came and attacked her. They just came. They let me go because like... "Eh." Because they are cute. So basically, yeah, so some armed robbers came into the room, killed Stephanie, but they let Yoran go because he's cute. That's what happened. (laughs) So the thing is, the police didn't believe him, but they hauled him back to Peru to face murder charges. Good. Yes. He deliberately banged his head against his cell wall in jail and was put on suicide watch for being a dramatic little asshole. Good. He shouldn't be able to commit suicide. I mean, I kind of want him to try, just for no. him to go through the trauma of it, but not be yeah, able to do it. Yeah, try and fail. Yeah, like, I, I want him to try. I know that that's a terrible thing of me to say. It's, that's unusually terrible of me, but I really yeah. hate him so much. I really hate <laughs> That being him. said, we just talked through what he's That being said, I've done. literally had to look into this guy for, like, a week and research every terrible thing he's done, and it's like, I kind of yeah. want to strangle him myself. Yeah. Like, same. and just watch the life leave his eyes. Be like, 
<laughs> I might edit that out. We'll see how I'm feeling when I edit. So, yeah. st- oh, this is about to get really awful. It's quite graphic. So please skip okay. if you don't. If, if, Thank you for giving me yeah, that. If you don't, you don't get to skip. You have to listen to it. Oh, no, I know. But it's nice so, to Stephanie's autopsy showed a brain hemorrhage, a broken neck, a fracture to her skull and other facial injuries. So a lot of the injuries were focused around like her face and neck. So it's like right up in there. So she also had amphetamines in her system, although it's unknown whether Euron gave these to her without her consent or whether she took them herself. I personally think he slipped something in a drink. But there's no evidence of that. That's literally just me making things up. But that's what I think happened. Because that's just how it got into her body. Yeah. Mm. So interestingly, he took amphetamines himself to wake himself up as he was leaving the scene. So he did have access to them. They also got Euron's DNA from underneath her fingernails and the blood was found, and her blood was found on his clothes. So they fucking checked that shit this time. Because I guess with Natalie, there was no fingernails to check. There was no body. Yeah. So everything got mysteriously vanished um the police also recovered a tennis racket from the room with her blood on and they suspect that he also beat her with it so remember we said that the police analyzed his laptop not only did they not find any evidence to back up his silly little story but they found google searches of quote chilean border pass relationship between the peruvian and the chilean police and countries that do not extradite in latin america I, I wonder what he was planning. Google chlorophyll instead of chloroform. La, 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 la. <laughs> so <laughs> he was charged with Stephanie's murder on the 11th of June 2010, and he was not eligible to be released on bail. Good. Amazingly, when he was being transported to prison, crowds of angry people threw rotten vegetables at him. I there's tomato in you. I love that kind <laughs> of old brilliant. fashioned justice. And yeah. when I say old fashioned justice, I don't mean like lynching type mob justice. No. But I mean throwing a mouldy lettuce at someone type at a shame. murderer isn't gonna hurt them. No. But it's something very unpleasant. Yeah. And you deserve that. And it's like, yeah. And I, I just there's something really good. that I like about that. It's like it's not painful, it's not gonna like no. injure you. But you will become a bit smelly. But you'll hate it. <laughs> I just really like that. It. So during the trial, the prosecution had a psychological analysis done of Euron, and doctors revealed that they found he presented traits of antisocial personality, which we've said before doesn't mean you're against socializing. It mm-hmm. means that you have absolutely no empathy for anyone else and you are indifferent to their well-being. Yeah, and you just go against societal norms. Exactly, so mm-hmm. sociopath. So he was sentenced to 28 years in prison and he's not eligible for, el- no, no, he's not eligible for release until 2038. So he's definitely convicted. Yes. Convicted, sentenced, 28 years in prison. Fuck you. I feel like it's half a victory. He was also charged officially with the wire fraud and extortion charges. So once he's free from Peruvian prison, the FBI is going to scoop him up and fuck him up on those charges. Mm -hmm. So as soon as he gets out of Peruvian jail, the FBI is going to be like, fuck you. Yeah, good. Also, wonderfully, the conditions in Peruvian jail are not great. Oh. So they're famous for being absolutely fucking awful, where the other prisoners will fuck you up. Oh, he apparently wow. got stabbed quite badly in 2014, but <laughs> oh Peruvian God. authorities are like, that didn't happen. Oh. I think it happened. Yeah, I think it probably so, did too. Weirdly, also in 2014, some fucking stupid woman actually married him in jail. What? And got pregnant with his baby and had the fucking baby. So if his face is just like... And how did you feel safe around him? So I don't get women who love killers in prison. You know, like women who write to murderers and serial killers and they're like, oh my God, I love you. Here's my picture. It's fucked up. It's so Don't stupid. do that. It's like, go find someone that isn't a killer. It's, it's just, there's something easy. Of, there's a type of person, and I just oh, fucking hate it. And yeah, so anyway, some fucking idiot woman uh, decided, yeah, I'm going to marry him and have his fucking kid. Why would you carry on that devil spawn? I don't know. No. So he made the news again in 2021 mm-hmm. as he was trafficking drugs inside the prison. 
I don't know about you, but if you're in a Peruvian jail, like, I definitely want to set up a cocaine ring. I think that's a really good idea for me to, like, you know, enjoy prison. He's going to get a fucked up. the time really well. So Mm-mm. he set up a cocaine ring and got an extra 18 years time. <laughs> the thing is, he can't get the oh full 18. God. As Peruvian law means, you can't get more than 35 years solid without a big life sentence. So oh the most gosh. he can get, the maximum with this, will have yeah. him released in 2045. And then that's the still... A, yeah, and then the feds are like, I'm going to fuck you with the asshole. <laughs> So that's still a decent length of time that the world can be without him. <laughs> Plus, the FBI will imprison him if he ever gets out of there this alive. This is just some good calories. So good. this is. I knew that you'd enjoy the end, but the beginning yes. is horrific. But it he is. definitely deserves this. Like yeah. he he has earned this every day of his life. Yeah. He's earned it. So also, I want to just say there is an oxygen documentary that I have intentionally decided not to source anything from. It's an interesting watch for sure, but the documentary focuses a lot on a man called John Ludwig, who was one of Joran's friends. So mm. this documentary, it's on, I can't remember if it's on Netflix or if it's on, like, I have, I used to have Virgin TV and I think it's oh, on yeah. there somewhere. Mm. But anyway, so I've, I watched this like a couple of years ago and I didn't really realize how shitty it was until I was looking into this case. And then there's a lot of stuff about how this was made very badly. Oh, wow. So I just want to mention it because I've not sourced anything from it. And mm. I just want to mention why, because it is quite... Like, it's quite popular. A lot of people have seen it. So the documentary focuses a lot on a man called John Ludwig, who was one of Joran's friends. He had a very convoluted story about how he helped Joran dispose of Natalie's body, and much of the documentary is following him around where he tries to find different burial sites. Why? So, yeah. He's basically just leading them on because he wants to get paid. he's making money out of a dead end. This is it. So it's like you're on a stupid media mm-hmm. circus. His this guy, his mate, did the same thing, oh my God. and that's what this documentary ended so up being. Bad. So he comes up with bone fragments, and he promises that they're Natalie's, but testing proves that they don't belong to How her. How can he promise that? Because he said, "I helped dispose of her body. I put it here. This is one of the bones." Yeah, that's what he said. Bones, the the bones, the animal bones exist. No, I Other know, but like he was. Exist. No, I know, but he was lying. Duh. <laughs> so, John Ludwig is such a piece of shit that he actually tried to kidnap a woman in 2018. Fortunately, yes. the woman he was trying to kidnap stabbed him. Yay! And he fucking died. <laughs> oh. So that's good. Oh, wow. So yeah, okay. he tried to kill a woman <laughs> and she was like, aha, fuck you, and stabbed him. <laughs> and he died. Did she go to prison, do you know? Or was she I don't know. I hope not. For a defense of honour. I hope I think she should have got rewarded personally. Yeah, get him but anyway, so Honor to the I really hope that she's having a great day wherever she is. I hope that like having a her, nice her cup of, of coffee in the morning champagne. was just the right temperature. Yeah, yeah, I hope that she's good. Anyway, so the show producers are also pieces of shit. So oh. So they refused to tell Natalie's mother the results of the DNA analysis on the bones until the show was aired and she had to watch it herself to find out. So fuck those guys. Don't watch the series. There are plenty of other podcasts and things that you can find out instead that don't extort the family in such a horrible way. So don't watch it. Don't give them the views. No. Just don't. It was made really badly. But yeah, anyway, um, that's come up to present day. No, nothing. No. Nothing else. <laughs> Sophie's nodding my leg. Like, no, there is. Is there anything? No, that's the end of the. That's the end. Holy shit! That's is. the end. No more words. No more words. That's the end yeah. of my script. Um, but yeah, poor Natalie has never been found. I've said what that's I think awful. happened to her. Mm. Um, I very much concur with you. Yeah, I just. That's it. But that's I sad. definitely it's think that the guy that did it is in jail because he fucking did it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Thankfully. But this time he was a dumbass and got caught. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, he wasn't. But yeah, I just think that the first time, 
the circumstances all lined up where he was able to just get rid of everything mm. in such a way that it could never be found. I kind of wonder if he'd like, before Natalie had gone girls into his car or whoever's car he'd be driving and then they just go away and they've never been I definitely think I definitely anything. think that he's probably date raped girls before yeah like because he was known for going to casinos and like praying on the actual the the holiday and stuff used the word praying yeah. to describe that's a quote they mm-hmm. use that word to describe how he would interact with women yeah. um so I definitely think that he would slip things into people's drinks yeah. And then just, like, get them out of the car and have sex with them while they were unconscious. I definitely think that he would just mm-hmm. routinely rape women. I do mm-hmm. think that. Me too. Because, um, yeah, he had a reputation for it. And I think with Natalie, I do think that if he did slip or something, maybe she had a bad reaction to it. Yeah. And then he just, just got rid of her. expected, it's really bad for you. Well, yeah. You um, can't be shocked. You know, it's going to work just as he needs it to every time exactly and i think that time it just went wrong yeah um and yeah but that like unfortunately for him that's still murdering someone even if you didn't mean for them to die you still poisoned them Mm -hmm. and they are now dead but yeah anyway that's and he basically he admitted that to his mate in that recording yeah in the recording in the car he basically said that's exactly what happened Mm -hmm. and then he was like oh no this was yet another lie but it's like dude you yeah. were telling your friend about it when you thought there was no one around. Yeah. That's not that's not a lie. Anyway, that's the end of that story. Um, thank you for telling it the way you did. Oh, thank you. I hope that you learned something. I hope that I did you found some out things. some things you didn't know before. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's just awful that there are so many stories to tell you. I wish <laughs> there weren't so many. Um, if anyone does have case recommendations, though, if anybody wants to hear me talk about a certain case that they want to learn more about or want to hear my perspective of, please do get in touch with us on Instagram mm-hmm. at Creeps and Crime Storytime or send me an email at Creeps and Crime Storytime at gmail.com. I didn't say send me a Gmail at the start because I usually <laughs> oh, yeah. do. Um, send us a Gmail. But yeah, like we we genuinely love talking to you. I love hearing yeah, from people. I love hearing I, from like people every time someone messages, messages us, I'm like, holy shit, this I'm is really, really cool. I like, just love it. And I love talking. Like, like we love talking about crime so much. We started our own podcast for no yeah. reason. So please like, talk to us about we crime. We love talking about crime. But yeah, please do get in touch if you have a case recommendation. If you just have anything that you want to talk to us about we love talking about crime so please do Mm -hmm. um and yeah i don't have anything else do you have anything else no (laughs) okay well we'll see you next time next time bye-bye